One of, one of the things we're trying to say in this, this, this series is that uh, every one of us has a calling, and those callings kind of shift and change with the different seasons, and sometimes maybe it's in the home, and sometimes it's in the marketplace or the field or the factory, uh, but we want to lift our eyes to what God has to say about that, and, and if you've been with us through the series, if you were here the first week, uh, maybe for some of us it was surprising that, that God actually thinks a lot about uh, a work. He is a worker, and when he works, he delights in his work, and then he made us in his image, and he made us to work. And so Genesis chapter 1, we saw him blessing the world. He blessed the world and he blessed us by making us in his image, giving us work, giving us relationships, uh, blessing the family. And, and we just want to lift our eyes. We want to kind of, in, in, in so far as we can, return to that. But we saw in chapter 3 that, that sin had come into the world and brokenness had come into the world. And these very, very good things like family and childbirth and um, work have a curse over them now. There, there's pain. There's suffering. There's toil. There's, uh, there's thorns and thistles. We saw that. And it's interesting to me that the things that were blessed uh, now have uh, some struggle to them. And, and often the struggle is uh, between them. So, so uh, God blessed work and said, hey, I, I want you to work. And I want you to del- delight in that. God blessed the family. I want you to be in relationship. But, but now under the fall, uh, work and family often don't go in concert with one another. They often collide, right? And we've all felt that. You've all felt like, man, there, there doesn't seem to be enough time. There doesn't, uh, there, there's this tension on being stretched thinner and thinner and thinner. And so I want to just share with you uh, a cautionary tale from my life. Learn from my failure in, in the next few minutes. Uh, so it was about, I don't know, about 15 years ago. So we had, uh, grad- I had graduated seminary. We had uh, flown to Okinawa, Japan and, and landed there. We landed there with a six-month-old and uh, we, we took off running. And I, I actually kind of had two jobs. I had a job on base where I worked for the Air Force Chapel as their young adult ministry guy. And I had a building on base and we had services on base. And I, had, uh, I taught Bible studies and I'd hang out with guys and I'd discipleship and I'd go scuba diving and and. I had a lot of fun with that. And then, then off base, we had a, a small military church called the Harbor and, and with about 75 people. And, and each Friday night, my, my wife would gather some, some women that she was discipling and they'd make a meal for about 75 people. We had a coffee shop that we were running and uh, then uh, we'd have worship and I'd get up and preach again there. And so I'd do that on Sunday as well. And, and we, we hit the ground running. And, and that, was, that was okay at first because uh, you could set a six-month-old bowl on the little carrier there on the counter and, and do that. But, but then, then Abby came along a few months later, and, and now we had two. So, so parents know that if you, if, you, if you have one child, you can double team. If you have two childs, you've got to play man-to-man defense. And if you have, when the third comes, you're, you're in zone, right? And then we, we actually have four, so full on prevent. At some point, you're going to go into prevent defense. But I wasn't tracking with that. I wasn't making the, the proper uh, adjustments, and, and I should have. I, I should have seen some of the warning signs on the dashboard of my life. 
But before we went there, we had some what's called pre-field training, just uh, some other uh, veterans that have been before us. And, and I remember one woman, her name was Wendy. She was telling the story about how just very, very busy in, in ministry. And, and, and by the way, ministry, we can, we, we can work a lot more because after all, we're doing the Lord's work. We're, we're, you know, so no amount of energy is too much energy. And so we're just going to give ourselves away, give ourselves away. And then um, she was telling this story about Thanksgiving, which is huge for military community over stationed overseas and so uh, she was working so hard and um, I, I don't know if it was before or after but she hit a wall and she told us the story and and she uh, basically slept for like three or four days straight like oh something's wrong and and I heard that story and I was like well that's weird and, and I just kept on going and uh, then uh, in, in the first six months of us being in Okinawa Japan um, two of our ministries, one in Okinawa, one in mainland Japan, sister ministries had to be shut down because of sexual immorality in the, the couples that were running the ministry. And one was a husband pursuing a woman outside of, uh, of the marriage. One was a, a woman pursuing one of the people that were coming to the ministry. And we were just like, oh gosh, what in the world is going on here? Like that, that's terrible. Not, not, not to mention all the shrapnel uh, in their own families, but in the ministry, like, like gosh, I don't even know how to process that. So those, those things should have been kind of like warnings for me. But I'm not so smart, so I'm just like going full on and, and taking on more and more. And, and Jennifer, is, is my wife, is, is probably the most capable, high-capacity person I know. And, and because of that, she is, she is tempted to often just say, yeah, I'll, I'll do more. I'll take that on. I'll have more and more. And, and, and the thing of it is, is that even the highest-capacity people, all of us are, are finite all of us have limits. The, the wall is coming for all of us. And so uh, we think, no, I, I can do this. I can do that. And, and eventually something somewhere is going to break. And so I remember uh, just a couple years into it, uh, thankfully, my wife came to me and, and, and be, through tears, she begins to share this. with Now, my wife doesn't cry that often. I can count of like a, a handful of times where I, I've done something to make her cry. And, and when I do that, I know, man, I, I really need to pay attention in this moment. And, and she's just saying, hey, we can't go on like this. Like, like you, you are gone every night of the week. And then when you're here, you're just working here. And, and I took on these things and these things. And I can't do that anymore. And, and uh, I, I've got toddlers now. And they toddle away. And, and I, I, I am at the end of my rope. And that, that just kind of struck me because I, 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 I never wanted to have, now hear this the right way, I, I never wanted to be in a marriage that I was just in it because I was committed to it. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes you can, you can get to that point and, and you have to get to that point and, and that's good. Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knuckle down. I'm, I'm committed to it. We're, we're committed to this. No, I wanted, like, like all of us, I wanted a marriage that we enjoyed. I wanted a, a family that, that wanted to be together. And, and so I could see, the, I could see the, the signs on the road. Finally, the, the markers on the dashboard of my life were starting to make sense. And I was like, oh, no. I, I can see where this is going. This is going to a, a, a train wreck. I, I'm, uh, we're going to hit a wall. And, and in that moment, I was like, you know what? Um, I, I don't want that either. Let, let's just, let's get out. Let's stop. I'll, I'll go back to the financial world. I'll, I'll, we'll quit ministry. We'll, we'll, we'll be done with that because I don't want that at all. 
And thankfully, uh, my wife is also wiser than me. And so she's like, I'm not, I'm not saying to, to blow the whole thing up. I'm just saying we need to make some changes. We need to make some changes because here's the deal. We are all finite. You all have limits. We all have uh, different, uh, th- there's a wall out there for all of us. And if you're going to keep running, keep running, eventually you're going to hit the wall. A- and we live in a culture, a, a-, a do-it-all, uh, achieve-it-all, climb-the-ladder kind of culture. And we put our, our-, our kids on, the- on that ladder as well, right? Uh, w- one of my daughters was, in, was at a-, a thing yesterday uh, doing honor society stuff. And as they honored the kids, one of the things they honored, they're like, oh, this kid does so much at school. And this kid does so much in sports. And then this kid comes home and does this AP homework. And, and yay for you. No. That's a terrible message. We put, we're like, hey, kids, get on the hamster wheel. Because we're all on the hamster wheel. And we train them for this. And this is kind of what we said at the beginning. We, we can tend uh, to get this work thing wrong and either underwork, laziness, or, or overwork. I think as Americans, we can tend to be overwork. We, we can tend to be that way. Uh, my wife sent me a, a tweet or, uh, from someone uh, this week. I thought it just captured it, having lived in Japan, which uh, really overwork in Europe. Uh, it, it, it said this. He says, European out of offices. I'm away camping for the summer. Email me again in September. We're like, that is absolutely right. That's how, that's how it was. No one showed up at church at all in August. <laughs> American out of office. I have left the office for two hours to undergo kidney surgery, but you can reach me on my cell anytime. <laughs> right? I hate how much I relate to that. But here's the deal. We all, we, we all have capacity. Now, now the we think as Americans, we think, okay, I've got a capacity. Let me find that capacity and let's push it out to the extreme. Let's have no margin. Financially, debt, relationally, work, let's have no margin and then we'll, 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 we'll YOLO, you, you know, FOMO, all those things. We'll just keep putting it all on top and that's, that'll be the life well lived. But it's not. A life with no margin, financially, relationally, work, all those things. That, that, that's not, there's no shalom in that. There's no peace in your soul in that. Like I was thinking about in, in Europe, when you, when you drive on the highway, uh, un- unlike in America, like we're, we're pretty safe about our construction zones. When you're driving in the Czech Republic on the highway and they're doing construction, they narrow down those roads to basically to the width of your car. And I'm driving a, a Honda Odyssey in Europe. And, and so you're going 65 miles per hour like this. And, and there's a massive semi next to you that you can reach out and touch. And you're like, this is crazy. This is crazy. It was so stressful. And, and that's how we, we live a lot of our lives here. But, but here's the thing. We, if I was to like just tweak a little bit or take my focus off the road, like that would be a crash. Same thing financially, same thing relationally, same thing work. And here's the deal, like in this fallen world with our limited capacity, there's just not enough time. Listen, if you were like, you know what, I'm going to be all in at, at, in my family. I'm going to make sure everyone feels loved, everyone feels uh, accounted for, uh, every chore is done, every ch- honey-do list is done, uh, all the hugs are given, uh, all the, the prayers are prayed, uh, I'm going to do all that. You would never go to work. You would never go to work. 
because there would always be stuff that you can and should be doing at home. On the other side, if you're at work and you're like, you know what, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to climb the ladder. I'm going to do it all. I'm going to get the extra training. I'm going to take the promotion. I'm going to take the transfer. I'm going to uh, get the, the next degree. I'm going to do the, the travel. I, I'm going to do all those things. You, if you were to do that, you would never make it home. And, and so uh, we live with these two tensions. Well, there's more to be done here. There's more to be done here. Both are good things. How in the world do we handle that? One of the things we, we got to know is that uh, you're, you're headed somewhere. Like, like in, in every one of your relationships, in your marriages, in your parenting, at your job, like there's a destination to the path that you're on. And sometimes these paths intertwine, but there's a destination. And we're so focused on the moment uh, that, that we can't always see where does this thing end? And the question I want to ask is, I want us to consider is, the, the destination, the path that we're on and work and family and all these things, is that destination a place where you want to be? Five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, is that the destination you want to arrive at and say, this is what we worked for, this is where we've been? So that's a question we, we, we want to talk about. Because again, this is uh, things that God, God cares about. And God doesn't want us to just uh, be living at the margins, never, never having any space to move in, in, in any of these areas. He wants us to experience peace. He wants us to experience flourishing. So how in the world do we, do we balance these things? How, how, do we, how do we work these things out that are in, in tension? Well, I want us to look at a passage we looked at a few weeks ago, back in Colossians chapter 3. In Colossians chapter 3, remember uh, Paul, uh, in, like he does in a lot of his articles, he, he starts with the big theology. This is who Christ is. And then he starts to uh, apply it. And so these are verses we read a few weeks ago, but I want to look at them from just a slightly different angle uh, this time. And so uh, in verse 15, he says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to, indeed, to which indeed you were called in one body. We, we were called to experience peace. You can just take a breath. And you can feel that breath in your home, in your marriage, in your parenting, at work. Like this is, this is what God wants for us. Just a, ah, this is right. This is good. So, so let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Down in verse 17, it says, and, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so this is the big picture. Like our, our lives is to be lived, uh, what, what the theologians called quorum Deo, before the face of God, whatever you do. And then he begins to unpack it uh, specifically. And he, uh, as so often is the case, ties work and family together. So he starts to talk about wives and husbands and children and, and, and work and, and how this, this all worked together. Uh, down in verse 23, whatever you do, work heartily. We, we talked about that. Do, do good work, work hard. This, is, this honors the Lord. As, but then he says work heartily as for the Lord and not for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance to your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Now, again, we, we covered all this a few weeks ago, but here's what I want you to remember. Your, your boss at work is, is, cares about a, a very narrow field of focus. What's the bottom line? And, and so if you're a high-capacity person at, at work, guess what? You get more to do. 
That's just it. Hey, they're capable. They're good. Let's give them a promotion. Let's, and you kind of like that cycle. You kind of like to be recognized. You kind of like the extra pay. And so you take on more and more and more. But that's their focus, right? And a smart boss has come to realize, oh, we need some work-life balance, right? So they're thinking if, if we make sure they have work-life balance, they're going to be even better employees. And, and that's a smart boss. But at the end of the day, they're really just concerned with the next few years, how are you going to contribute to the bottom line? But what Paul is reminding us is, and we have a bigger boss. And this bigger boss is not just concerned about our nine to five. He's concerned about our whole lives, our hearts, our, our families, our, like all the things. And that we will give an account to him. So we'll give an account for uh, every word we speak, every, every in, encounter with our spouse, every encounter with our children, how we work, all these things. And, and with that in view, that, that kind of begins to uh, change the way we look at everything, or, or it should. Uh, Augustine in the 4th, 5th century, he, he, I think he nailed this. He, he said, basically, our problem is, is that we have disordered loves. Oftentimes, the things that we love are good things. If you love your job, that's a good thing. But here's how he specifically put it. He says, a just and good person or a righteous person is also a person who has rightly ordered his love so that he does not love what is wrong to love or fail to love what should be loved or love too much what should be loved less or love too little what should be loved more. He says, our problem is disordered love. We, we can take very, very good things like your, your, your golf hobby or your work and, and we can throw them in the mix and, and be like, what? These are good things. I, I love that. I love to do this. I love to do that and, and, and begin to shake it out that they're disordered. We love the wrong things in the wrong way with not enough order. And so God wants us to order our loves. And so... Um, how, how do we do that? That's the question, though. How do we do that? I want to look at a, a, just a parallel passage to the Colossians one in Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> uh, like Colossians, he's, he's given them good theology. He's put the supremacy of Christ on display. And then he's talking to families and workers. And he says, how does this all work out? And the famous passage starts in verse 22. But right before that, which gives us some context... Paul says this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So again, that's living before the face of God. God is our ultimate boss. And because God is our, our ultimate boss, Christ is our boss, we submit to one another. We get low. We, we, we lift others up uh, out of reverence for Christ. It's similar to like whatever you do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying the same things, right? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then he begins to unpack, what does that actually look like? What does that look like in the family? How does that look like ordering our loves? And, and he talks about wives submitting to their husbands. Uh, and then he talks about uh, husbands, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Now, if we think about orders of things, I have never been asked to love my job like Christ loves my job. 
I've, been, I've never been asked to submit to my ambition. I've never been asked to submit to uh, success in, 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 even in ministry. Although I can convince myself. And, and God says, Mark, uh, did you not read Matthew 16? I will be, build my church. I, I've got this, Mark. So you love your wife as Christ loved the church. So immediately you see... Man, that has to be, that has to be in the order of loves. That has to be above and beyond our, our, our ambition, our career pursuits. You say, well, Mark, no, this is how we provide for our family. And I, I get that. that. That is a way that you love. I'm not saying we, we don't work and we don't provide for our family. Tim, Paul tells Timothy, he says, hey, if we have food and clothing, we will learn to be content with that. So how are you doing with that? <laughs> I mean, that seems like a pretty low bar, right? It doesn't say, no, you're just providing your, for your family because you, you've got to go off and you've got to travel and you've got to do all the things and you're going to climb the ladder and, and you're, gonna, you're like, well, I'm providing for my family. Who, who told you that it had to be so much? If in the end, your family is left hanging. If in the end, your family is left hanging. It's, it's like this, this rock I have over here. You're wondering about this. And this rock just represents uh, my responsibilities, what, what God has called me to. I'm a father, I'm a husband, I, I've got other responsibilities, I've got to provide, I, I've got relational responsibility. This, is, this was meant for me to be carried, right? And I carried it around, but, but here's what happens when we get disordered, and this happens to all of us, and there's just seasons where this is inevitable. I get that. I'm not saying that uh, this never, uh, you can live a life where you never do this, but, but here's what happens. We get to a point, and we're like, hey, uh, honey, you say to your wife, or your husband, your children, hey, I-, I need you to carry this for me for a little while. I know it's my response, but I just need, it's really busy at, at work today, and so I'm going to miss that thing. I'm not going to be able to do that. So can you just carry that for a little while? And, and, you, and then they, they accept it. They take it. They usually take it with a smile on their face. Yeah, sure, Dad. Yes, husband. Yes, wife. I'll, I'll carry that. Yeah, thank you so much. It's, it's, I promise it's not going to be long. I'm, I'm going to come back. And so uh, what, what happens, though, uh, if we're not careful, that, that, that day turns into the week, right? And the week turns into a month, and the month turns into a season. And, and, and what we do, we, we come back, we're like, how's it going? Are you holding the rocks? Oh, yeah, we're still getting it, but they're getting tired now. Like, we got it. We got it. Oh, good. I brought you some flowers. Great. I can't hold them. I, I, got, I got this right now. I brought you a toy. It's okay. Daddy's going to be there. I'm sorry we couldn't do that, but... but it's going to get better. I promise it's going to get better. Just keep holding the rock for me. Just keep holding the rock. And they're like, okay, we'll hold the rock. And, and they, they, they mean to hold the rock, but, but this is not a rock that they meant to, were, were designed or, or given the capacity to hold. And so uh, over time, over time, it eventually gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And, and you know it's about to drop when you find yourself saying, promising, it's going to be better in the future. It's going to be better in the future. When you start missing uh, significant events in, in the life of your family, well, I'm sorry I couldn't make it. It's because I'm working, but, but it's going to be better in the future. Eventually, the rock, just out of sheer exhaustion from our spouses and our children, is going to drop. And, and when it drops, it's going to shatter. And we're going to be left uh, holding the pieces, trying to put them back together. And sometimes you can't, sometimes it's too late. 
Because here's the deal. Your families, your life, you only get to go through things once. You only get to be in college once. You only get to go through your 20s once. You only get to uh, find and date and marry your, your first spouse once. You only get to have uh, them be uh, newborns once. You only get to ha- they're only going to toddle away and take their first steps once. They're only going to say uh, their first words once. They're, they're only going to have a, a first baseball game or a first recital or a last baseball game or a last recital one time. One time. And in the end, they become teenagers and they get a driver's license and they drive away. Now the question, the question for you and for me is, are we on a path where when they get their license and they drive away, they want to come back? And they want to spend time. And, and when your children leave the house and all that's left is you and your spouse, have you been on a path where you want to be together? Have you created that kind of atmosphere? Or has it always been, I'll get to that. Someday I'll get to that. I promise I'll get to that. When you think about it, you and I only have one or two unique roles that we can play in this life. One or two unique roles. I have two. Husband to Jennifer. She could get another husband. She can never get a first husband. That, that, I've got that role. That's, that's a role that only I can play. And, and father to my four daughters. It's a role that only I can play. Now why in the world would I exchange those unique roles for anything else that other people can do and do do better than I do? <laughs> right? Like, like someone else can be a pastor or a church planner. Someone else, like, you guys just didn't look very hard. You can find better preaching in this city, right? Like, why, why would I give myself and, and all my energy and li- leave my family holding the rock behind to, to do this when, when other people can do it? We, we all, you have one or two unique roles in your lifetime. So I, I put it like this. Don't, don't trade what's unique to you for something somebody else will do. Actually, I didn't get that. I got that from uh, Andy Stanley in a book called when, Fa- when, when Work and Family Collide. It's a really good book that kind of is dealing with this. But he says, don't, don't trade what's unique to you for something somebody else will do. So, well, Mark, if I don't, if I don't do these things, I don't climb the ladder, I, I'm, you know, I don't know that we can continue to live in this neighborhood or drive these cars or have these things. And I'm like, yeah. But in the end, what is it profit to gain the whole world and lose your family? So don't trade something that's unique for you for something someone else will do. This is, this is the message of the whole Bible. Basically, God is saying, trust me in this. Trust me in the balance, in the ordering of your loves. Trust me and see that I can bring peace and margin to your life. Trust me in this. Will you trust me? We don't want to get to the end of our lives or our children going off to college and just say, man, I wish I would have just trusted the Lord. I wish I would have seen how God maybe would have shown up. Because here's the deal. You're never as happy as you are in, as... This doesn't sound right. Let me, how do I explain? Your relationships are basically the barometer of your happiness. The relationships you have are the barometer of your happiness. 
So, so if, uh, it doesn't matter if you're crushing it at work or you're doing things or you, you finally got your golf score down to, to zero handicap, that, that doesn't matter. If the relationships that are closest to you that are most important are disordered, you're going to be miserable. And if, if work is going terrible and your hobbies, you don't have time for any of those things, but, but you're crushing it in your relationships, you're going to be happy. You're going to be content. We all know this, right? We, we all get this. You don't want to wonder what would have happened if I would have just trusted God in those years. If I would have passed up that promotion, if I would have done these things just to prioritize my family. So again, it's, the, it's what's called the principle of the path. Direction determines destination. So, so we're all on these paths, and those paths are leading somewhere. The direction determines the destination. The book of Proverbs is full of this. It's not our intention that, that determines where we're going to arrive. So often we think, well, uh, my wife knows, my kids knows, my, my husband knows that, that I have a good heart, and I have good intentions for them. I just, I just can't right now, right? Like, intention doesn't matter. Intention is not going to be the place where you arrive at a destination. If I have good intentions driving a car and I hit someone and I say, oh, I'm so sorry, I had good intentions not to hit you, they're like, great, I still have to go to the hospital. There's still brokenness here. So, so direction determines destination, not good intentions. And so the question is, what, what are, are the paths that you're on and are they leading to places you want to go? Are they leading to places you want to go? I would say this, maybe it's, if you're single, you just ask yourself this question and, and kind of determine, are my loves ordered correctly? Uh, if you're married, maybe you have felt some of this tension, this, this pool. I would just say, ask this one question, what's ideal? Now, let your spouse answer that. Okay, given our situation, given where we're at, given I have to work, uh, given these things, what, what would be ideal for our schedule? And, and they might, and just give them permission to say the ideal. You, you might, it might not be realistic, all those things, but at least you're starting a conversation. What's ideal given this season, this stage of life that we're in, what's ideal? And, and some seasons are just busier than others, right? Like a no now isn't a no forever. Like I, I plan on playing golf once again in about five or 10 years when all my kids are out of the house. I play about once a year now. So that, I mean, for me, that's five hours away, you know? Uh, I, I, I don't mean to put that on anyone. I'm just saying you have to, you have to, determine, you have to determine your own priorities. And so uh, I do want to share, go back 15 years ago, when, again, when my wife's sitting on the couch through tears, I'm like, I'm done. I don't want to do ministry. If this is where we're going, I, I, that, it's not worth it to me. And she's like, no. We began to have this conversation, what's ideal for us? And, and it's shifted and changed. And, and I share this not as like a formula for you by, by any means um, or that we even do these things well all the time. But, but there, were, there were a few things that came out of that that helped shape and define the culture, helped put us on a different path a, as a family. And the first one was that uh, because I was working those two different areas, I would uh, cut back in both and that we would have dinner together each night. So we just prioritized, hey, we're going to, as a family, have dinner. Never is the TV going to be on. We're going to have slow time. We're going to talk to each other about each other's day. And we try to, even today, try to prioritize that. Uh, Secondly, we we decided, hey... Work is very busy, but Mondays is going to be totally blocked out. For us, it was because I was working on the weekends. Mondays was a family day. 
And, and this, this was just, we aren't going to invite anyone else in. We're not going to do any ministry unless it's like an extreme, extreme emergency. Uh, we're we're going to block that out. We're not going to do chores on that day. We're going to spend time. We're going to play together. We're going to get down on, on, on the ground when they're toddlers. Or we're going to go to the beach. It's just, they, our kids just knew Monday, that's our day together as a family. And we, we just knew it was part of our culture. Uh, I, we also just began to prioritize, hey, we're going to take vacations. We're going to just get away. And when we get away, um, this wasn't so true when they were little, but even now, when we get away, we're going to also put our phones and, and screens away. We're just going to be in each other's presence in that time. We've also uh, said, hey, the best gift we can give our family, the best gift we can give our girls right now is to have a good marriage. And so we're going to prioritize that. And sometimes they're going to feel like, oh, slighted, but we're going to go off on, on vacation with just the two of us because our marriage is important for them as well. And so we've, we've tried to do that. Uh, one last thing that uh, kind of shifted in that time was, even though I had to work on base, I, I, would, I would make sure that I would be home in time to put the kids to bed myself. And so I would get there and, and then uh, I would read to them. And when they were toddlers, I would read like Jesus Storybook Bible. And, and by the way, husbands, fathers, if you're like, man, I, I don't know enough theology, like this is awesome. You can get there and just read it and learn it along with them as you're reading to them. And so you're reading, I was reading to them. And as they grow, uh, I just read more and more books. I got to introduce them to the Chronicles of Narnia and went through those a couple times. Got to go through the Wing Feather Saga and got to read a, a bunch of different books. Uh, we are currently uh, halfway through. It's taking us a while. We're halfway through book number seven of Harry Potter. So some of you can leave the church after this, but we're, we're on Harry Potter. And uh, we're just working our way through it. And I, and I said a couple weeks ago to my wife, I was like, man, you know what? What's kind of cool is that my teenage daughters want me to read to them and spend time with them. That's a win. Because 15 years before, my wife said, we can't keep going on like this. We've got to figure out to reorder our loves and our priorities. Well, that's my heart for, for Redemption Park and the families here and the singles and as you think about the paths that you're on is that we would be a community that cheer one another on, that help one another order our loves, that help show by example and encouragement and prayer how we can uh, build one another up so that we all are on the paths where we want to arrive at in the future. Listen, if, if you're at a place where you're like, man, I, I'm on a path and it's not in a good place and it's not going to go well, then just ask the question, what's ideal? Begin to make the changes. It's not going to change overnight, but, but just begin to have that conversation. What, what do we want in five years, 10 years, 20 years? What do we want when our kids are out of the house? All those things. To that end, let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your word to us this morning. Lord, thank you for the goodness of work and the goodness of family and help us to be a a people that live Coram Deo before your face with rightly ordered loves, experiencing the peace and the shalom that you give when we trust you in those things. Lord, we need help. We, 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 we are stretched thin in so many different places. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just give us very tangible ways to walk in obedience and in faith and joy and love for your glory and for our joy. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.